0: Hi everybody! Welcome to another episode of the Bitcoin Bottom Line. I'm CJ Wilson with Josh Olson, and we are coming to you from our secret bunkers across the country, uh, where we're safe from the ATF. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so, uh, Josh, we had a uh, just jumping right into it. Uh, we had a totally unknown party um, get like the founder got arrested and busted and stuff. So this it's a Russian exchange called Bits lotto. Um, and they only had like $11,000 in their, in their custodial wallets. So I'm not sure. Did you hear anything about this? Everyone thought there was going to be a big announcement, you know? Well, there was an,
1: there was an announcement of an announcement that they were going to make an announcement and like the DOJ was
0: there. The OFAC people were there. the,
1: The New York Fed was there. Um, and then they announced this exchange that not many people had heard of including myself. i would never seen them anywhere about anything, right? No, no, like chain analysis with uh, Vitzlato, no mentions of them from any traders. Mm -hmm. So maybe it was just a front all along. Maybe it wasn't actually um, an exchange. I don't don't really know. But um, they were involved with Hydra, apparently, which was a Russian darknet market. Mm. Um, So... I don't. Yeah, I'm, that's not my world, so I don't really know. <laughs> you know, surprisingly, I'm not a part of the Russian DNM, so I don't really know much about that. But uh, just
0: because you have a Z in your name somewhere doesn't mean that you have anything to do <laughs> yeah. with what's going on in the across the Atlantic. So here's here's the interesting thing for me, right? So Lotto, like you said, never heard of it. I've never heard of it. Uh, I've used a bunch of different exchanges um, over the years to yeah. buy and sell and stuff like that. Um, what I am a little bit concerned with, though. Is that similar to the Tornado Cash uh, situation, where they arrested the guy that was the programmer or head dev for Tornado Cash? Yeah, it's almost like this is a bad precedent in from a like a libertarian freedom standpoint. In that angle on Bitcoin, it, it, it does concern me a little bit that if there was, I mean, this is not necessarily a Bitcoin related thing, but it's almost like you know the government agencies go after things that are broken because they can't defend themselves right from a if you see what happened with ripple over the last couple years uh, ripple has been so well funded to be able to try to defend themselves as lawyers and lawyers and lawyers and lawyers and some of these other people that they've gone after recently haven't been able to defend themselves because they had no resources so i kind of wonder if they're just sort of like going to spring training right now and kind of getting warmed up And that's what they're trying to do because obviously there is a segment of the government um, in general, that is punitive and is looking to punish bad actors. There's also people that are punitive and looking to punish people that don't want to be part of the system, and so I think that's where it's like is this a political thing to like do something and see if it reacts. Obviously, the market reacted. Um, We've been kind of cruising since we came off the bottom. It's been a couple uh, weeks or whatever. I mean, the
1: timing was perfect, though, from a TA perspective. Like, (laughs) we were already, we had a bearish divergence, we had a a rising wedge. Like, these are classic reversal type uh, structures and patterns. So and then I was like, oh man, we're getting this announcement. This, this timing is great. Like this is a slam dunk. <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah. Exactly. So then you see you see some some bids pull out of the market, right? Yeah. You see some people just sell, people take profit. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Risk off, and they kind of come away from it. And now all of a sudden, the price drops. I mean, it dropped down maybe what eight hundred bucks or something like that. So it wasn't like a tremendous move, but it was it was kind of straight down, uh, which shows to me that people are still paying attention to the news and correlating news events to prices and risk prices and stuff like that. Well,
1: it was signaled as such like a major deal, right? Again, like it was an announcement of an announcement and then it was like, who?
0: (laughs) Right. It's like, hey, we got this guy. there has been this big shoplifting problem in the Bay Area. There's this ring of people that are, you know, breaking into CVSs and stuff. And they're like, we pulled over this 16-year-old kid and he had, you know, three bags of batteries and like a a Powerade and we got him. We got him, guys. (laughs) It's like, that's not the ringleader of whatever you're working on. Um, but, you know, during the last couple, let's say a couple weeks or whatever, where we were sort of stagnating in the $17,000, $16,000 range, uh, there was a big buyer, right? We had somebody that was kind of formulaically buying a lot of Bitcoin. Um, you were talking about this in the pre-show. Uh, just in, there was fundamentals that were showing that, hey, there's assets coming off the exchanges. There was people buying. We have the shrimps, you know, more people getting close to having a full Bitcoin now. You know the DCA army, the stuff like that. So, what was it that you were seeing outside of maybe that one guy, that one address that kept accumulating Bitcoin periodically? uh To, uh, I was like four or five billion dollars worth of Bitcoin that somebody bought. Is it, is that correct? Is that the right number?
1: Yeah, I hadn't heard that number specifically, but any any time you see like day over day rises like we did, mm-hmm. now if you're looking at like the candlesticks specifically and uh-huh. you see every daily close is pushed you know in this case it's like 8 p.m. est whatever whatever metric you're looking at cuz right. that changes around the world but um when you see just continuous rising like that um that typically means that somebody is being very aggressive entering and that's mm-hmm. that appeared to be the case uh either they're they're t-wapping or they're v-wapping meaning they're just they're buying no matter what right over time slowly they're accumulating it's it's one way to accumulate a large position without moving the market too too much mm-hmm. um and in, in this individual's case or whoever this may be uh it certainly worked in their favor you know that I would hire after that i did see right. some some theories that you know maybe it's some stablecoin who didn't have the money in their reserves maybe it's binance who did you know all all this stuff right it's always like there always has to be a reason people assume that there always has to be a reason it's like no maybe there was just a buyer that day and there wasn't a seller you know like
0: <laughs> yeah well and I think one of the things I saw yesterday on Twitter was that there was a comment that Peter Thiel had exited mm-hmm. a big porter's part of his crypto and they, they specifically say crypto not Bitcoin so I'm not sure if he had other bags but just in general like that he was selling Bitcoin or crypto at when Bitcoin was at 44,000. So theoretically, somebody like that, that's a big capital allocator, he could have gotten out of a big position in the 40s, 30s, whatever, and then started reaccumulating saying, hey, maybe this is the bottom and this is a good time to buy back in, which is the classic like whale trader behavior, right? If you believe in Bitcoin long-term, then you sell it knowing that you're gonna buy it back later and you're kind of okay with that risk of price action in between. that's one of the ways that I trade is try to say okay there's an intraday high there's a small risk that i'm going to sell it it's for my mining revenues or whatever if I might sell something. i'm going to try to buy it back, you know, with the the indication that I might not be able to buy it back at a lower price, but it gives me the price certainty of an exit to say okay I don't have to pay electrical bills this month, so then I can sell $1,000 worth or whatever um. yeah back but, to that that
1: exit yeah. though and mark it was March 2022 and if you look at the chart during that period at least that's when he says he reportedly got out and you know based on what we can see I believe him because it looks like it was kind of a fight between uh the Luna emergency fund whatever that was with with Bitcoin Mm -hmm. buying and then uh Peter Thiel potentially in that fund selling um because that period was like a week of you know a couple weeks really of just straight up straight down like 44 Mm -hmm. to, to 37 uh just crazy volatility in that uh, time period. But uh, so that that makes sense based on, you know, the price chart anyway.
0: I think the difference is that unlike uh, other assets, you know, let's say like an IBM stock or Microsoft or something like that, like a traditional, let's say blue chip Dow Jones type stock or a NASDAQ stock, that's like a kind of core thing for a lot of people. you know, you get to, you accumulate a certain position in a stock like that, and if it could be a super high market cap company, then all of a sudden you get offered like a board seat, right, there's not the same type of thing that happens in Bitcoin. So somebody like Saylor or Peter Thiel or, you know, Elon Musk or whatever buys, a, you know, nine figure sum of it or eight figure sum of it or something like that. It doesn't necessarily give you any special rights. So it's it just sort of happens and we can sort of identify certain things, but this, this concept of the conspiracy driving the purchase is so much more juicy and fun to talk about right it's like it, there's always this thing that in in racing at least right here i got my race helmets back there you already yeah. used the
1: baseball metaphor you're running out of oh, running I got out a room
0: here there's a there's a there's a term uh saying that yellows breed yellows meaning like yellow flags uh like cautions and stuff like that they they breed more cautions so if you have a situation that's volatile let's say there's rain in the race or something like that someone crashes gets stuck in the in the dirt they have to yank him out everyone's getting like pent up and like freaking out and then the second they turn it back to green flag again somebody makes a stupid move because they've been like you know raged out so i think what's happened is the bitcoin people especially bitcoin twitter is so conditioned to be skeptical of everybody big you know the whole kill your heroes thing don't meet your heroes kill your heroes thing <laughs> um so the second that there's like oh there might be this announcement or there might be this thing or whatever everyone's like this is it finance is going down or whatever and it's like well, or coinbase is gonna die it's like okay it's that like doesn't have to be the, the case some of these exchanges are actually well better run businesses than others regardless right. of like how well they're run there's a tier and, and it's like with I, I know what it seems like in crypto Broadly, especially with Bitcoin, is whoever can hang on the longest will reap the rewards of being the provider of last resort, whether that's the wallet provider, or the exchange provider, or something like that. Or in this next case, the biggest pleb and tradfi like uh, seam in the crypto space, which is GBTC, right? So now we're at this thing where there's like this big public debate, it's all this dirty laundry is getting aired out there. And um, we see people that are like, hey, maybe we can push this thing through. I have no idea how that works. Um, I think I had some GBTC at a little bit, I sold it. I'm seeing this sort of like commentary about a hostile takeover or something like that. Is that even possible with the scale that, that Grayscale is at right now, that people could pleb up and get together and vote him out and vote somebody else in to control that big pile of Bitcoin?
1: Yeah, it kind of reminds me of um, Segwit2x, you know, going back to Barry and, and what he did for Segwit2x versus uh, Segwit back in the day. It's like this, like, you know, revolt by the shareholders who mm-hmm. are basically saying, look, your, the fees are too high. We can't exit this this, this fund, right? They can't sell their uh, our holdings effectively. So um, the uh, holders have risen up and said, do something, we're going to find somebody who is willing to do something, basically. Um, yeah, so it's still early. And you know, all this going on with Genesis and now Coindesk is in the mix with as far as uh, potential sale. Mm-hmm. Uh, Grayscale, obviously, it it's just, it's hard to really know what's going on there and who did what when and you know, they all earn a bunch of money. And it's just, uh it's just really, really messy.
0: What, what seems to me, that the way that this generation, I'm including us in this mix, uh, our generation of Bitcoin people, exchange people, crypto people, whatever you want to call it, the immediate reaction is I'm taking this to Twitter. <laughs> and one of the Winklevines posted a letter, an open letter, they're like, hey, open letter to Barry, open letter to Grayscale. And I'm just sitting here thinking, and this is like in, in, the, in the wake of sam bakeman free just blasting all this crap about himself and all this oh i have my feelings and i'm vegan and I like i like cats and beanbags and whatever and all this stuff is out there it's like all the dirty laundry is just flaunted in the air and uh that seems like a very different situation versus a couple of years ago where you know when something of this scale happened it was a massive corporate problem that was well it's got swept under the rug or it was a courtroom drama you know, before anybody heard anything about it. Now it's like the second there's any whiff of something stale or off, then these people are literally taking it to the streets, John Cusack style from say anything. And they're like, this is the deal. They Barry. got the torches,
1: they got the pitchforks.
0: Yeah. Torches, pitchforks and boom boxes right out of the gate. And I just I mean, well, it doesn't, it didn't start there.
1: You know, the discount has progressively gotten worse and worse and worse. At one point it hits negative 60%. Mm-hmm. It's around 55 time of recording, but uh, it's like enough's enough, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and there's they're still collecting fees on the product
0: a high percentage of fees like extremely, yeah, relative
1: yeah. to other products. Um, you know at the time when Gbtc came out, it was the only game in town that's changed. There are plenty of other products available that don't charge those fees mm-hmm. that maybe don't have the the connectivity that uh, Gbtc has from a like you know trader brokerage perspective, but um, yeah, I don't know. The Story's still being written there, right? I wish, I hope that they get out of it cleanly and figure stuff out. And the shareholders—there's uh, a more. lot of there's uh, a
0: lot of shareholders. That's the that's the difference here. There's a lot of shareholders. Yeah. This isn't like, oh, we feel really bad for Mark Cuban because he lost money or something like that. This is like uh, a lot of people are caught in the crosshairs on this one. And in a lot of ways, it's still very much a gray area for what the best case scenario is i guess it's not like a there's not like a cut and dry thing to say oh this is this is the best case scenario this is going to happen you know and i think that's where um it seems like there are i don't know like i said yellows breed yellows right there's a bunch of caution and a bunch of things smashed up over the last 12 months and there's going to continually be some some more smashing up of things and blending of uh fingers you know fingers in the blender and well stuff the good like news that. is
1: unlike Segwit 2x where that was like a fundamental governance debate um, mm-hmm. within bitcoin this is this is like this is bitcoin price this is custody this mm-hmm. is rehypothecation potentially but it has nothing to do with the network bitcoin right it's just uh the tradable asset or custody or you know uh, so i'm i'm not worried about it in that sense it's more or less like Worst case scenario is they close the trust, they dump all the Bitcoin. I don't think that'll happen in a million years, Mm -hmm. uh, but that is the worst case scenario.
0: Well, the longer they can hold on to as much of it as possible, the more they're collecting in revenue, which means they can pay their lawyers and, you know, pay, pay other things off. If they can wind it down slowly, if they can figure out a way to redeem it at a certain velocity, then... The good part about that is, then all those people that have GBTC that some of them might not even have any exposure to to self custody Bitcoin. If those people were able to actually self custody, and this is the this is one of the billboards for self custody, right? Is this situation where the the Bitcoin's gone into some, to to the trust and there's no one to really get it out, and that it's 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 negative at that point. Um,
1: yeah, it's messy because there are tax implications for people who don't want um cash redemptions people want in-kind redemptions right uh there's i would love to have everybody self-custody but the the reality is that's just not what people want to do you know
0: right Um, we're so close though on some of these people talking i see some of these people and they're like oh this is broken this is this this is that it's like bitcoin fixes this right that's the well there's people talk
1: about it like self-custody is like this active thing that you actively do and Mm -hmm. i see it so much as like, it's, it's just out of sight, out of mind, passively, you know, yep. you have your thing, you do your thing, this is your security. Yeah, that's it. Right. I know it works. It's always worked. doesn't mean it'll always work in the future, but I'm confident that uh, it's fine. You know, so um, I don't know where I was going with this, but.
0: Well, so the with despite all this, the volatility is still pretty low. We're still at a low volatility, low volatility uh, from a traditional Bitcoin sense. Um, price wise, we've
1: erased the entirety of post FTX collapse. Right. Not necessarily, you know, the, the cause from 65 to, to 15. Mm-hmm. That was definitely uh, FTX was a part of that. But just as far as the news cycle goes, you know, at the beginning of November to now, price is back to where it was. So
0: but the the chest hair on everybody that huddled through that dip. Right. <laughs> the chest the chest hair on everybody uh, that bought the dip, you know, that bought more Bitcoin at 15 or 16 grand or whatever, uh, they're, they're feeling pretty good about themselves right now. Right. So there's some metrics suggesting that there's people, there's a certain amount of people that are back in profit on their net holdings. Right. Because if we're above 21, then we're still above the 2018, t- 2017, 2018 cycle. Um, and so there's people that now we're back to that thing that if you've held it long enough, you're good, you know, um, but I think the big thing, the big story for the rest of this year, is when do we start the the, the countdown to the happening? Um, and I think we're we're under seventy thousand blocks now.
1: Well, as so, a miner yourself, yep. Do you are you looking forward to the happening?
0: Uh, yeah, to a degree, because I feel like uh, this is where you know people will hang on and they'll continue to mine past the happening until they get to a point similar to a couple months ago where they just couldn't get electricity price low enough to stay online. And that will, that will create a capitulation issue. Uh, and then there will be a sort of, there's a churn in mining, right? Uh, you have these big publics, they draw on loans and all this other stuff. They create this massive structure, this massive, you know, exahash worth of mining equipment, electricity bills, transformers and equipment and stuff like that. But if they don't execute and they fail, then all that stuff gets puked back into the market, which benefits smaller people that are sort of accumulating more in the survival rat mode like like I am. And, you know, the thing that if you've, this is my first real, let's say bear market as a miner. I've been through bear markets as a Bitcoiner, but bear market as a miner. Um, now, I, I feel like I'm armed with a lot more uh, skills and, and, and also just maybe not so moon boy about it to say that we have to sort of sell stuff. We have to be disciplined with our trades. We have to be disciplined with our purchases. And the biggest problem like, we encountered was we, we bought all this equipment that didn't show up for a long time. We bought these, you know, S19 140 uh, terahash units, you know, the XPs or whatever and it's like we waited on them forever and ever and ever and now that they're in holy crap they're yielding it's great they're what an investment but if i was able to have bought those things for like 5000 versus admittedly paying 12 or 13000 for some of them that sucks now granted the, the majority of stuff that we've been buying has been more recently so we've been buying stuff way average
1: down basically yeah
0: we've averaged down and so now we're probably in the i'm tr- I, i'm trying to think of dollars per terahash you know or something like that like as a as a metric but it's like, it's basically the stuff that was $10,000 a year ago, uh, or maybe even 18 months ago is now a lot cheaper. I mean, $2,000, 3000 4000 for that same machine. So granted the Bitcoin price is also down 25%, but that metric works fine. If you have cheap enough electricity, you can just keep deploying more equipment and kind of go. Uh, I, I think that the, the the crux of mining is there's so many people that want to lend you money and you have to figure out a way to do it with very little lending very little borrowing because that adds another layer of cost and it's it's really never going to be that juicy of a business um, it's unless, leverage right yeah it's just, this leverage which you know has a, has a way of flushing you out and dragging you down and the loan like there's people sending me stuff all the like, time hey we'll give you a loan 15% 16% loans so it's like uh, yeah i don't really think that's a great deal because you know we're at a position right now with mining where I, I want to say like it was down to like five five and a half cents. If you, if you were paying more than five and a half cents, like you weren't making money. Well, that and, was
1: those you were getting off at of those rates when when uh, interest rate in the U.S. was like zero, right? Like the rates were still high, but now right U.S. rates are close to close to five, yeah. And the average consumer credit card rate is nineteen percent, right? So I can't even imagine what those mining loans are, like APR wise now, because they must well, be just,
0: yeah, and they're like, they're like 12 to 18 month payback periods and stuff like that. So basically, the whole first year, you're just slamming all the money back to pay off the equipment. Yeah. Um. So I think, you know, there's this, there's this, like, really good debate that you can get into with with hardcore Bitcoin people, which is to say, hey, let these, uh, let let people mine if they want to. But at the end of the day, buying Bitcoin is easier. It's more direct, you know, and if you would have bought this much Bitcoin at that time, like if you had $20,000 to buy Bitcoin, you know, uh, you might have only been able to buy half a Bitcoin, that would have been two mining machines. Okay, but it's like now, uh, that's five, six mining machines, you know, what I mean, and then that's 1.2 Bitcoin. So ultimately, if you dollar cost average your entries to the asset or the productive assets, meaning the miners that generate the Bitcoin, you're probably better off than if you quote YOLO into it, um, because that's that's not strategic. And Bitcoin is a very complex strategy, it's a cruel,
1: mistress. <laughs> it's a cruel,
0: it's a very cruel, you know, strategy thing. And the only thing you can predictively say is that there's going to be a new block in a couple minutes. And you, you you want to try to get as many as possible, but you know, I think I think it's it's hard because it's 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 not as easy to hold the Bitcoin that you make as you think it is. And sometimes it's better to have like a gig economy job that you just pile all that money into Bitcoin, or you have some sort of you know part of your salary that you stay disciplined at and you acquire Bitcoin that way. Because because honestly, mining is really tough. And I would tell people that you know unless you have a certain amount of risk capital um in in a time horizon of maybe four to five years i used to say it was like 18 to 24 months but now i think it's more like four to five years before you really uh even know if you deployed a good strategy or not because
1: we have to time the price cycle like very well you have to time the energy market you have to time hash rate and difficulty, right? Or you have to time like you like you said the the forward deployment of your ASICs. Like it well, is, there's so much variability there that any one of those things, and then adding on leverage and loans, like it's it's too easy to get completely wrecked.
0: Right, and that's why you know it, it's it's a very cute business model. It's a cute sales deck or whatever, but the sort of the retail mining thing. Uh, to say oh hey give us 15,000 bucks and we'll get you a couple miners whether and I'm not gonna name any of the names because I'm not trying to say anything bad about those companies because some of them are run better than others and some of them are not run that bad and there's been people accusing some of these companies of all this BS and it's turned out to sort of be okay so uh, sometimes right sometimes it's good sometimes it's bad it's just it's just gonna consistently be a mixed bag it's gonna be chaos it's not predictive it's not simple uh, it is easier to spend the $167 a month to buy Bitcoin than it is to pay the hosting fee with the Bitcoin yeah. you mine. Yeah. That's just the, effectively the way to do it. So at the end of the year, right now, that's about what it costs to run an S-19 at most of these like hosted sites. It's about 150, 180 bucks a month. So let's just say $175 a month, right? So if it's $175 a month over the course of you know, a year, it's like, okay, so what are you going to have spent? $2,000 or something like that? if you would have bought $2,000 of Bitcoin over that period of time, you know how much of that, how much Bitcoin will you have at the end of the year? That's really the market. That's really what it comes down to. And
1: are, that, you, beating, are you beating the index effectively, which is just buy you, and hold, right?
0: Right. Are you beating the index, the buy and hold HODL index? Um, and are you sleeping better at night because you do one or the other, right? And you can yeah. do both. If you have like a big salary or something and you say, oh, I want to spend $2,000 a month buying Bitcoin and $2,000 a month mining Bitcoin, you can totally do that too uh, it's 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 your risk it's your capital it's whatever you want to do if you feel like you're securing the network and that's your duty to do I don't know whatever <laughs> but I think the people that are really gonna do the best with mining are the people that are going to use it as a heat source to do these other projects like we talked about with Troy cross about you know whether it's water uh, issues or you know methane issues or something like that. Um, I think that's where the mining thing is going to really kind of find its niche and stay there and then kind of grow roots. Because I think the retail warehouse mining and having, you know, a thousand clients and you have to send them all an email, that's, you know, it's kind of weird. Um, What's what's
1: odd here, this like price cycle is even though price is down like, I don't know, 50% from highs, hash rate just hit an all-time high. So miners are continually just being punished, the inefficient ones anyway, are just continually Mm -hmm. being hammered with uh, these headwinds where they're making their profitability is just declining, right? Uh, If you're not efficient, it's just extremely cutthroat, very Darwinian, uh, survival of the fittest, you know, uh, it's a tough, tough business.
0: It's pure capitalism, dog eat dog. Meritocracy—that's what it is. There's no nepotism in, in Bitcoin mining. You can't, other than maybe getting permits faster than somebody else. If you're going to build infrastructure at scale, it's like it's a big, it's a big lift, you know. Um, and so I think that's where that's and that's where, great for the network, right?
1: Great for the network.
0: It's great for the network. Not
1: yeah. so great if you're a, a business, yeah. Some and of the I, time, right?
0: And I wonder also, like, how much money you know does uh, does what's miner really make? How much money does Bitmain really make? You know how much are they really shovel sellers yeah exactly um you know they're they're selling us the shovels uh so that we can go dig and get frostbite on our fingers looking for gold right (laughs) and i think you know there's been there's a lot of talk about microsoft entering that and they're going to build asic chips and stuff like that and and i think that's it's it's interesting i don't know if that's going to make the market any better or worse but power costs are not going to go down so it really is going to turn into more of a fight for the power sources, and then can you create an ancillary business selling the waste heat to something else uh, to purify water or whatever, whatever else there is, right? Hmm. Um, if you can create that second or third layer, then that effect that that effectively acts as a like a load uh, reducing demand response, like you do in ERCOT so that if the price of electricity is higher and it's more profitable than mining Bitcoin, you turn off and you sell the electricity capacity back. And that's that's a smarter grid system. Um, it's more real time. It's gonna require people that are, you know, super gacked on caffeine to be paying attention to charts and, <laughs> you know, wind patterns and- Well, I just patterns. saw uh,
1: out of New Hampshire, Sununu, who I think he's still in New Hampshire, um, released a, a paper about using Bitcoin, uh, to, to shore up the grid. And, you know, so there, there are positives coming out of government and regulatory, not just like the negative stuff in, in New York, um, Texas yeah. as well, is continually showing that, you know, this stuff works if the miners play ball with, uh, the grid mm. and there are more, they, they seem to be more than willing to do so it's in their own interest to do so. So, um, it's all headed in the right direction, at least in the United States.
0: I feel really good about 2023 from everything bitcoin I mean realistically we've got a new cast of people new cast of characters to deal with in DC a lot of new people there. Um, They seem to be more open to having more meetings and having more learning based discussions, as opposed to like political discussions which I I don't think are very effective. Um, And I I think like with. uh, The. Narrative of lockdowns and the narrative of control and people resisting what they're hearing from the WEF or something like that. There's just more awakenings and more awareness going on. People are sort of standing up for themselves a little bit more today. Um, I think Twitter's better than it was a year ago. I think that a lot of these other things are going to help. And there's more people like us that are just providing free opinions, which someone might jive with or they might disagree with. But ultimately, the more you hear about this stuff, the more you you become galvanized to it somehow. Right. And the people that are like the guy on um, Rogan the other day, uh, the thought leader guy that everyone calls a spook. Um, he's like, Oh yeah. Bitcoin's at 16 grand. It's going to go down, you know, to, to zero because of this, this and that like deflationary currency doesn't work. And it's like everybody like, you don't even have to chime into that thing. There's already people dunking on them. There's already, already people <laughs> yeah. saying this guy's just trying to sigh up us all. He's a cia spook he's against us he's against freedom and it's crazy because that 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 fervent stand up for yourself renaissance that that sort of i don't know like i i hate to use the word libertarianism but, but it's like i can't think of another way to say it but just that independence that 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 people are seeking now the freedom um it's like you know we're seeing that renaissance in bitcoin of of people coming to it from that, you know, not even from a pricing standpoint or like a moon standpoint or anything, but just like, oh, these guys are getting locked out of their bank accounts. Like we need Bitcoin. It's like, yeah. Well, I just saw
1: today, speaking of bank accounts, um, Bank of America had some issues with balances. Zelle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, which you may be aware of, I don't know. But um, yeah, people are like, wait, what's going on, right? Like, you know, some people saying, maybe there's a better way. Oh, there is a better way. Let's take a look, right?
0: right well, are. and then people will start to reevaluate wait, wait how many fees am i paying because if this is a if this is what could happen if i could get rugged like this from bank of america and zell well then maybe it is worth risking running these transactions through cash app or uh strike or something that's or, or even really going all the way with like blue wallet or moon wallet or something like that where they're doing actual lightning payments on an actual lightning wallet so that's uh, that's the best teaching opportunity we have is to go to these people and say hey listen I saw you were upset about your Zelle. Okay, (laughs) let me explain that there's something that works better than that. And it's cheaper. And they're like, cheaper, I thought this was really cheap. And you're like, yeah, $17 to do a transaction. No, that's not cheap. You know, so I think, you know, PayPal was a precursor, and strike is a better program, right? Or cash apps a better program or whatever. And I, you know, I don't own shares in either of these things. I just happen to use them because I like the way they work. And I think Mm -hmm. that's, that sort of meritocracy, again, is what's going to benefit the most people. And that's how you get more Bitcoiners, because they're going to decide to trust the Bitcoin network ahead of trusting Bank of America. We know that every institution that's run by a person is fallible. Know that. Historically, every religion says this, even the atheists know this, that you can't trust people with all the cool toys, because they will decide that they're oh it's my toy at some point right and you can't give even the cutest little kindergartner will yank a teddy bear out of another kindergartner's hands so we why would we want to give them our life savings you know or our actual cash flow so like my the the lady that comes and cleans her house she uses zell i told her i said listen i'm not going to pay you in zell anymore i've been trying to get you off zell And she's like, I heard this thing. I'm like, I'm worried about my bank account. I'm like, yeah, exactly. Like, we're going to use Cash App. We're going to use Strike. We're going to use something else. And I'm just going to slowly orange pill her like five minutes a day, you know, over the course (laughs) of a couple months and get her to that point. So I'm going to try to drip it into her ear. Yeah, drip it and then say like, hey, listen, once you have this and you can have a card, you know, so you can swipe in a debit card and all that stuff. It's still normal. So live your normal life with these things. know it's like oh wow there is another way and it's like yes bitcoin can be the backbone for all these different financial transactions and and that's what we wanted that's that's why we joined you know the sort of bitcoin team or whatever three quick things
1: before i wrap up um cash app this was years ago dorsey said that uh the number one use was walmart so to him that indicated like the unbanked and underbanked are using it as a bank account which i think is pretty clear Mm -hmm. and that also means that they are more adjacent to like the Bitcoin ecosystem roughly because they're in, already in okay. cash app. Right. So yep. they're someone exposed to that. Um, which is interesting when you think about like, who are we, who, who could benefit the most, right? Is like the unbanked and underbanked. Um, mm-hmm. The second thing is I just did a Venmo transaction yesterday for the first time in a long time. And I had no idea that it's still public, like ah. everything. Like I could see the entire previous transaction log. I was like, what? is this real? Like, yeah, it's so bizarre to me. I know that Bitcoin, it's...
0: They don't even do the benefit of obfuscating it with, like, some random address. It's like, Sarah sent Tim, you know, $14, like, sandwiches emoji, you know?
1: Yeah, I just don't understand why that's okay, but (laughs) I know Bitcoin's public and, you know, addresses are whatever, but uh, I don't know. I was just, like, blown away by that. And then the last thing, I got a haircut, and the uh, place didn't take... Tips on a credit card, so I had to send a tip via Venmo. Um, that, that's the Venmo thing, and I didn't have time to like talk to the guy about like you know Cash App or Lightning, right? But I wanted to. I want to go back and say like, hey, there's a better way. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, and um, and I think and Cash App's actually doing a point of sale terminal now too, so you can actually have a point of sale terminal, so you can do the QR code right there. And I mean. You know, all, all of it, what it comes down to is, and there's always fluff about, oh, Visa is going to do some, they're going to partner with this or Mastercard's going to partner with this or whatever. But like the whole point of these things, you know, the, the, the point of these apps that we use, the Bitcoin native apps, and, you know, it, it's, it's, it's supposed to function as digital cash, right? Micropayments. Uh easy day-to-day stuff, you know, stuff that you're not necessarily using credit. You're not trying to delay the payment. You're trying to settle right now, you know, right. taxi ride, haircut. And
1: I don't, I don't even have Venmo. So like, right, just let me do lightning, you know?
0: Yeah, uh, exactly. It's cleaner. We're we're getting there though. Just think about it. Like the, the conversations a couple of years ago were like, oh, isn't Bitcoin only for criminals? Now they're like, oh, wait, why would I want to pay 3% fees with Visa when I could just use Bitcoin instead? And you're like, yeah, there you go. Like now you get it because it's those little bits that count just like DCA it's the people that, that make efficiency changes in their life, whether that's to be a marathon runner or a dentist or whatever. It's like, if you get one extra patient a day as a dentist, right? That's the, that's the mentality I think that Bitcoin gets you into is to say, okay, I need to be efficient because every dollar and every minute that I can earn a dollar that counts for something, you know, and we're seeing the devaluation of wages, the devaluation of people, because the wages that they earn aren't adequate a year later you know and I one, one last thing that just yeah. reminded
1: me i saw this headline about argentina and the devaluation there is so extreme that the banks don't have the vault space to hold the physical fiat they're running out of vault space
0: the vault space the actual cubic the, feet the, they the don't bank have
1: itself is running out of space to hold the money because it's devaluing so quickly Um uh, yeah. just just absolutely tragic and i looked There used to be really good websites to track um, local Bitcoin volume. Mm -hmm. Local bitcoins, uh, for those unaware, is like this peer to peer OTC marketplace. Um, And there used to be better places to track that um, that don't seem to be operational anymore. It's probably not as popular anymore, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But they used to break down like by uh, country where the the Bitcoin volume was, Mm -hmm. which is super cool. Uh, So I checked and like it is it is up in Argentina. Uh, Still, I think it's rising, you know, Um,
0: necessity is the mother of invention. Right. And uh, and strife is probably the father of adoption. (laughs) You know what I mean? So if you have necessity and strife at the same time, then someone invents something and people use it. And that's just that's it's a very straightforward process. Um, Those two elements add for a quick marriage into, I would say, uh, nationwide or Uh, definitely regional adoption for something because it's it's like, what are your choices? Your your choices are to trust a bank. You know, you can't trust a a money, you know, you can't. And then it's like, at some point the nihilism creeps in and you say, you know what, I'm willing to take a risk because I, I'm, I'd rather just go through door number two because I know what door number one is and I don't want it. Like I just, you know, it's like, oh, there's a lion behind door number one. There's a mystery behind door number two. It's like, well, a lion's going to eat me.
1: Like, I'm yeah. I mean, at some point, you know, everybody reaches their boiling point, <clears throat> which is a great show on MTV a while back.
0: Boiling point, yeah. <laughs> um, the glasses with the, yeah.
1: <laughs> but yeah. anyway, yeah, everybody reaches their point where, like, you know what, enough's enough. And in, in Argentina's case, it's been, uh, you know, inflation here is bad, but over there, it's been years and years and years of, of just mm-hmm. runaway inflation. And it's just gotten insane over there. So, anyway, that's all you have for this week, I think.
0: All yeah, right. I think that's it. But see uh, us out here. See us out. Yeah. Okay. So, um, it's a wild world out there. Bitcoin, in all of the in all of the noise of the universe, is a a great way to determine what direction you're heading. Are you accumulating more Bitcoin or not? Right. And if the answer is yes, you're accumulating more Bitcoin. You're probably doing the right thing in your life, whatever that is, financially. Well, you're just uh, learning
1: about you know. You don't need to be buying necessarily, but have an open mind. It's very generational. I've noticed with uh, just interactions with people, you know. Mm-hmm. The older people will will say never. I won't touch that. It's going to zero. And the younger people are just like they have an open mind, right? They want they want to think about things differently. They see that it's stronger, better, faster, whatever than, than traditional rails. And uh, yeah, so have an open mind. Do your own research.
0: Do your own research, and the more you know, the more confidence you can take each step with in your life. So that's that's how we're gonna end it today. Uh, Josh, thank you so much for joining me on the Bitcoin bottom line. And as always, you can follow us, tag us, DM us, uh, you know, ask us how our trades are going, right? always like those ones. Those are good. And uh, we will see you on the internet.